Good morning, everyone. Good morning to those who are joining online. Welcome. What an honor. Come on. What an honor to gather together, to lift up the name of Jesus and worship, and now to experience and to share in his word. I'm reminded that a new semester of life groups, as Pastor Matt just mentioned, is fastly approaching. And honestly, let me be, I honestly, I do not know how people can battle the forces of darkness day in and day out without a community. Without people surrounding them who can stand up with them, who can pray with them, who can fellowship with them, who can share with them. How can you battle the forces of darkness without a community? Just recently, two weeks ago on a Wednesday night, I shared from 2 Samuel verse 20, chapter 23, verse 16, a beautiful passage of scripture. Listen. And Saul's son, Jonathan went to David at Horash and helped him find strength in the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? And you know, there are some like Jonathan who can help others and encourage others to find strength in the Lord. And then there's seasons in our lives where we're like a David, where we need someone to come alongside of us and help us find strength in the Lord. And, and that's what life groups do. And I trust that you'll be a part. Today we start a new series, a new message series entitled, I'm In. And this series is designed to identify four attributes of who we are in Christ. We're going to look at four attributes of who we are in Christ over the next four weeks. And they all begin with the two letters I and N. I'm in. Let me just share with you the four themes. The envelope symbolizes I'm invited. I'm invited. All of us have been invited to be a part of God's family. The diamond says, I'm invaluable. You are invaluable to the work of God. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been given a gift. We all have a gift. And that gift is important. Therefore, Everyone is important in God's family. We are invaluable to the work of God. The magnet says, I'm influential. How many know that you have influence over others? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God created you to be the salt of the earth and light of the world where you have influence over on others for the glory of God. And finally, invested. Are you invested in the work of God? Well, today we're going to talk about one of the core themes in the gospel. 
one of the core themes. And that is, we have all been invited to be a part of God's family. Now, some people say, well, why do we need an invitation? After all, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, we read how God said, let us. And let me just stop right there because God said, let us. Who's he talking to? There's a proof for the Trinity. It's plural. God is talking to God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. So why would we need an invitation to be part of God's family? Well, when you get to Genesis chapter 3 and you read about man in the garden and how he voluntarily, voluntarily transgressed, fell, sinned, disobeyed. We become separated. Man got kicked out. And we read in Romans chapter 5, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, because of man's disobedience in the garden, sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin. In this way, death came to all men, because all have sinned. The wages of sin is not just physical death, but spiritual death, where sin separates us from a holy God. Therefore, we're in need of a Savior. We're in need of reconciliation. We're in need of being saved. We're in need of being born again. And when you think about that, oh, how precious are the words of John the Baptist when he saw Jesus and he says, Look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world for God so loved you God so loved me God so loved the people in India God so lived the people in Afghanistan God so loved mankind he so loved the world that he was willing to give his one and only son Jesus Christ his son God emptied himself, took on the form of a man to, to, to live a sinless life so that he could die for the sin of mankind, to be hung on the cross and to shed his blood. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And he shed his blood so that we could be reconciled to God the Father and declared holy through his blood. Whoever believes. Do you know who whoever is? Whoever is whoever. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Peter on the day of Pentecost gave the invitation this way, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but do you know that the very 
last chapter in God's word ends with an invitation? Anybody ever realized that before? The very last chapter in God's word, Revelation chapter 22, almost the very last verses. This is so important that God doesn't close his book without giving one last invitation. And it says this, the spirit says to the bride, who's the bride? The spirit says to the church. The Spirit and the bride, the Spirit and the church, we partner together and say, come. Let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. Whoever wishes, let him come. Let him take the free gift of the water of life. Come. Now, I do not know about you. But for me, one of the worst feelings I can experience is that of not being welcomed. Of not being invited. Of not having a part. Have you ever scrolled through social media? Have you ever looked at social media? your Instagram, your, your Facebook, and all of a sudden you see all your <clears throat> quote-unquote so-called friends all gather together in one place, and all of a sudden it dawns on you, you get this sinking feeling, hey, how come I'm not there? How come I wasn't invited? How come I've been left out? Why is it then they didn't ask me? Have you ever been there? You see all your friends having this great time and you weren't even invited. You were left out. Many years ago when we were at Valley Chapel in Clifton, uh, we went to Valley Chapel in 1985. And the first couple of years I, had to be, I learned something I had to start being careful about. Pastor D'Angelo would ask me, hey, you want to go do a house visit? You want to go serve communion to Sister Valentino or Sister Grasso? Or, you know, and I would ride with him. And while we're riding, he was just being nice, having conversations. So he, so he would say, so what did you do past, this past weekend? And I would say, well, the, the Mangarellis had us over. Man, that, she, she's a great cook. Next week comes, we're out visiting someone. So what did you do this past weekend, Pastor Jeff? Uh, well, we, we went to the Chicarellis. The Chicarellis called in his house, house, house out for dinner. We had this nice Italian meal and had some colonolis. It was, it was awesome. Next week passed. Hey, what did you do this weekend? Well, the Francos had us up to their house. And, and, and man, we just connected. They're such a beautiful family. Another week passes. And he says, so what did you do this weekend? I said, well, it just so happens that the Gashiones asked us to come down to their shore house down at Normandy Beach. And what a beautiful place they have. And we stayed down there for Saturday. And all of a sudden he goes, wow, hell and I must have halitosis. And I'm thinking to myself, because I didn't know what halitosis was. I'm thinking, I hope it's not contagious. You know, I'm sitting in the car with him. I didn't have a smartphone back then. And we couldn't, I I went back to the office. I I couldn't Google it, so I Webstered it. Got my Webster dictionary. Looked up halitosis and saw that it says, bad breath. And I realized he was being sarcastic. He was jealous. 
And I started to be very careful about all the places and all the invites. But have you ever been not welcomed? Have you ever felt uninvited? Have you ever felt left out? Well, I want to share with you one of the greatest news about the gospel of Jesus. Are you ready? It's this. Jesus invites people that others reject. Jesus invites people that others reject. Jesus invites those that even the religious organizations despise. He he invites those who are forgotten. Jesus invites those who even feel unworthy and unwelcomed. And to those... He says, come, come to me, all of you who are tired of the labels that society has placed upon you. Come, come to me, all of you who who feel unwelcome, uninvited, who feel alone. Come, all of you who are just tired and weary Come, come to me, all of you who who feel just left out, abandoned, uncared for. Come, you who are weary, you who are burdened, come, and I'll give you rest. Now, one day, In Luke chapter 7. Now remember Matthew chapter 11. Remember those words Jesus just said, come. Remember those words. One day, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to this Pharisee's house and they reclined at the table. Now I have to tell you, I have this book. I actually have two books called manners and customs of new testament times and i'm going to refer to that book a lot of customs of of bible days because we don't know a whole lot but you have to understand this big picture understand this big picture over two thousand years ago jesus walked on this earth and he claimed to be god in the flesh right Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus walked on this earth and claimed to be God in the flesh. Now, what did people do with that claim? Do we believe it? Or do we think him as a crazy guy? Now, if you hear of someone, of God, a man claiming to be God in the flesh, back in those days, who would you think that he would associate with those who were visibly outwardly righteous holy the Pharisees with their long flowing robes and their long eloquent prayers 
and their elaborate ceremonial washings. Those who wouldn't allow anything unclean to come into their body. Not touch anything impure. Not even associate with sinners. And you think that someone who claimed to be God in the flesh, well, they would associate and identify with these holy people. So one day, this Pharisee invites Jesus to his house. Now, what you have to understand is the Pharisees, when they held a house party, they didn't serve hot dogs. You know that. Unclean. They had this outer room that was attached to a porch. And most of the entertaining would take place in this outer room. And they would invite other Pharisees basically to show off their wealth, the food you served, as well as to show off with intellectual knowledge. They'd sit there and debate. They would talk about social affairs and theology and politics. And they would just sit there and, and just share in this. Now what's kind of interesting is because of this outer room with a porch attached, it was very common for people to come, the townspeople to come and, and, and to get up on the porch and, and the Pharisees would keep the doors open and they would keep the doors open so they could show off their wealth and they could show off their intelligence and the conversation that's taking place. And townspeople would come up onto the porch and they would just kind of like look in, check it out. And you say, well, you know, why, why would townspeople just come to check it out? Because they were curious. And you also have to realize that there was no Netflix. They couldn't binge on the housewives of Jerusalem. You know, no, there's no um, um, Minecraft and... Fortnite, you know, and out of curiosity, they would just come and check it out. Now, what made this event even more popular is Jesus was there. And there must have been a curiosity, not only about the man's wealth and his home of this Pharisee, but Jesus was there. And there was this curiosity of people just coming to listen. What are they talking about? But there was one who showed up who wasn't invited. When a woman who lived a sinful life in that town, do you need an explanation? If you're under 12, put your hands over your ears for a moment. That's code for town prostitute. Thank you. That's what it was. I didn't say it. He blamed it on Jeremy. When a woman who lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was, she was a the town prostitute. Learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. She brings an alabaster jar. Now, if you're the host of that party and you're impressing all your friends and Jesus is there and all of a sudden, 
as you're sitting there waxing eloquently about the anatomical arguments of fomentology, and all of a sudden a call girl walks in. That's basically what we're talking about. What do you do? And I can imagine that when she... And the host says nothing. He's speechless. And everybody's thinking to themselves, she's one of those. And we don't hang around those people. She's unclean. She's not pure. She's not holy. And they all sat, the guests sat around just waiting to see what the host would do as this one who was not invited crashed the party. Now, can I ask you for a moment to put yourself in her shoes. Can you do that? Can you put yourself in the shoes of that young girl? Now, let me first say that, yes, she probably made some bad decisions. Okay? I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. But also, let me say this. I don't think any young girl ever aspires to be a prostitute. I don't think at a, in, in today's world, at a slumber party, where all these girls are talking, I want to be a nurse, and I want to be a doctor, and I want to be a real estate agent, and I want to be a salesperson for Mary Kay, because I want to ride around in one of those pink Cadillacs. I don't think in that setting, a young girl will say, and I want to be a hooker. what happened? What led? We can only assume, but somewhere down in her life, there was a hardship. Maybe she had been abused. Maybe her parents died at a young age, and, and she was the oldest sibling and had to provide for her brothers and sisters. Or maybe she was looking for love in all the wrong places and became pregnant and the guy left town. Or maybe perhaps he had been, was married and couldn't say anything. And here's this woman pregnant, gives birth. And there's no government supplements back then. She's not welcomed in the synagogue. She's despised. She's ashamed. And now she has to provide for her Unwanted child. God only knows. But like her, there are many of us who wonder, I never signed up for what I'm getting now. I never realized in the wildest dreams I'd be where I am today. 
She walks in. She crashes that party. Walks past all the guests. And she stood behind him. She stood behind Jesus. Behind his feet weeping. Now, she stood behind his feet weeping. And she began to wet his feet. Anybody see a problem with that? She stood behind him weeping, but yet his feet became... Because you have to realize, he was probably lounging, reclining, maybe sitting like this. And she is so filled with emotion. She is so filled with regret. She's so tired of her lifestyle that she's weeping and weeping, filled with emotion, tears running down her cheeks, falling on the feet of Jesus, realizing that she's wetting his feet with her tears. She doesn't have a towel. She does something that is forbidden of every Jewish woman. That is to let her hair down in public and so full of emotion. She, she, she let, unbraids her hair, lets her hair down and starts drying his feet with her hair. And then she takes her alabaster perfume, which is so significant. Why is it so significant? Because that represented her life. Perfume. Not every woman had perfume. That was an expensive commodity. That was something that through her employment, she saved for. Because it was also her business card. It was her way of advertising. Putting that perfume on. Walking the streets. I'm available. I'm for hire. And she takes that. That's probably worth over a year's worth of wages and with pouring it on his feet symbolically you know what she's saying I'm giving you my all I'm giving you my life savings I'm giving you my past I'm giving you my future I am so tired of this lifestyle. I'm so tired of the way I feel. I'm laying everything at your feet. How did she get to this point? How did she get to this point in life? She heard that Jesus was at that house. Then the Pharisee who had invited him saw. And he says to himself, he says to himself, he doesn't say it, he says to himself, if this man were a prophet, if this man was God in the flesh, he would know who's touching her and what kind of woman she is. That she is a sinner. And Jesus read his mail. 
Jesus, Scripture says, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. (laughs) Simon was waiting for, what are you doing with this woman in your house? She needs to get out of here. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had money to pay back him. So he canceled the debts of both. Now, which man do you think loved more? Simon said, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt. And Jesus says, you have judged correctly. And he turned to the woman and said to Simon. Got that? He turns to this woman who feels unworthy and despised, rejected. He turns to her and says to Simon. Do you see this woman? I came into your house, and you did not give me water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, and she poured out perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. Could you imagine what feeling this woman must have had inside when Jesus said, I tell you the truth, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loves much, but he who has been forgiven loves little. Then Jesus says to her, your your sins are forgiven. What got her to the point of coming to see Jesus? I wondered, Pastor Bonnie, you can come. What was it that allowed her to walk the streets to that home where people were pointing and, and, and men were maybe propositioning and, and she just walked past? What was it that brought her to that porch where all the townspeople just kind of like parted when she stepped up. And, and she's one of those. And we don't associate with one of those. She's a, she's, a, she's a sinner. What was it? Why was this sense of urgency that allowed her to walk into a Pharisee's house and, and kneel before Jesus? What was it? It was Jesus. He was there. But she heard Jesus was there. And this, I don't know this for sure. But this is what I conclude. And this is what I believe. As you read chapter 7, you read about how the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus. Ah, I've heard that before. That's in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11 is a parallel verse to Luke chapter 7. In fact, Luke chapter 7 verse 33, 34, and 35 are exactly the same as Matthew chapter 11, chapter 18, verses 18 and 19. Exactly the same. And then in Luke's account, it ends and it talks about this Pharisee's party. In Matthew's account... Matthew continues and talks about how Jesus says, Woe to the cities where I've done these many miracles and you haven't believed. Right? And then you get to that last verse of that chapter. I have this awesome book. I got it in 
in college. It's called the Harmony of the Gospels. And it takes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and puts all the stories, all the Gospels in chronological order. And, and I just wanted to see if what I was sensing was right. I pulled this book out. In fact, I even showed Pastor Matt it. There in the Harmony of the Gospels, you have Matthew chapter 11 compared to Luke chapter 7. Mark and John, they don't even include this. And then all of a sudden, it, it breaks and it adds, woe to you the cities. And then there's that last verse. And then after that last verse in Matthew chapter 11, it goes to the story of this Pharisee holding a party. And what I believe is that when Jesus was addressing the disciples of John, there were Pharisees there, and they were impressed with Jesus' knowledge. And, and this Pharisee said, hey, why don't you come to my house? But also, I also believe, I, I, I just think that perhaps in the back of the crowd was the town prostitute listening to the words of Jesus. And that day, she heard him say, come to me, all of you who are tired, all of you who are hurting, all of you who are left out, all of you who are weary, come to me. I believe that she heard those words because it was the urgency of those words that led her to that party, that allowed her to ignore what everybody else was saying, that gave her the boldness to go into that party uninvited, to kneel at the feet of Jesus, to repent before him. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. Listen, she didn't aspire to be a prostitute. There were th events in her life that led her to there. And I'm sure there came a point in her life where she was so sick and tired that the urgency of Jesus' message of come finally, finally dawned on her. She just wanted rest in her soul. Would you stand with me? everyone. The invitation is for everyone to be a part of God's family. Where heads are bowed this morning. As we begin just to pray. As in the last chapter of the Bible, the Spirit along with the bride says, come. Is there someone today that needs to come to Jesus Christ? Is there someone today that realizes you're a sinner separated from God and you need to be born again? You need to be reconciled. You need to be saved. You need to come to Jesus. The invitation is for you today to come. You're in need of a Savior. You're in need of your sins forgiven. You want to receive Him as your Savior and Lord. You want to be restored back to God the Father. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right now? Just waiting a moment. Pastor, I want to be restored to my Father in heaven. Just waiting a moment.